And welcome back to another episode of Franchise Mode. I'm Billy Moon, joined by my co-host, Jake Doherty. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful, sir. Yourself? It's been a while since I've been able to hear your beautiful voice and get together and talk about the sweet, sweet sport of football. A lot has gone down since. We've had a whole wave of free agency pass. Still a couple players out there in the market, but for the majority, everybody has signed. Just approaching the draft here in about... 10 days, a little bit less, I believe. Um, how are you doing? Personally, I'm doing fantastic. Um, as as a football fan, as a sports fan, well, you know, it's it's tough times. You know, I miss my sports. I, I miss a lot of things. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I'll tell you what, though, if if I could figure out what the hell Bill O'Brien's doing, uh, I'd be a whole lot less stressed. I can't figure out this guy's motive to freaking for nothing. I don't know what this guy's planning or what the hell he's doing, but Bill O'Brien's lost his <laughs> daggum mind in Houston. Uh, and we thought it couldn't have got worse with the trades that he made last year, and he just he doubles down and just – does even more chaos and ruins the Texans franchise even more. Way to go, Bill yeah. Bryan. I don't know if he's like a, a mole or a, a rat or a, a team planter. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't. I mean, the only thing I understand is this is why you don't allow your head coach to be your general manager because obviously they're just two different things and. It's just you can't do both. It, you you have to have separation uh, between the two, and and they just haven't had it. And it's whew, it's been tough to watch. Truthfully, I mean, I I personally can't believe that Deshaun Watson hasn't personally called and asked for a trade. Yeah, I I honestly I'm shocked that he hasn't. Um, if it continues like this, I wouldn't be surprised if he does demand one within this year or in next off season with how bad it's been. Or if he, you know, maybe goes to ownership and lays down a demand, it's either him or me. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to do something, something, because this is just, I mean, this cannot continue. (laughs) So this is obviously, this team is going to be your nominee for worst off season. So who would you say in your eyes who what teams are having the best off season so far? Um it's tough to say I mean the best I, I I have a few favorites you know obviously I laid out some teams that I was really watching uh a few of those teams uh so far are, are doing fantastic I I think the Denver Broncos are off to a great start with their free agency um, they were movers and shakers and, you know, they were spending, you know, they, they definitely made some good acquisitions. You know, we'll start with your least favorite one, Jarrell Casey, uh, obviously nine time, nine year man for the Titans line, just an absolute monster really knows how to run stuff and, and kind of block up holes and, and just wreak havoc, uh, on the interior of that defensive line, um, little pricey, but Great move overall, I think, for the Broncos. It did obviously come at the cost of Derek Wolf, uh, but you got a super friendly deal uh, with Shelby Harris coming back. He led the league in passes deflected uh, last year at the line there. I think he had seven of them. So, uh, honestly, some really good things. Uh, you have a healthy Bradley Chubb coming back. Uh, a very hungry, it appears, Vaughn Miller. Um, so the, the run-stopping and edge-rushing for the Denver Broncos – um, should honestly be be very very good. Um, obviously, the big acquisition everyone says is is Melvin Gordon. Um, effectively ends the Royce Freeman era probably um, in Denver, uh, but it it could actually be a good thing I think uh, for Philip Lindsay. Um, I I don't think anyone ever fully uh, believed that Philip Lindsay was a, was a full time every down back. Um, so kind of allowing him to be that change of pace guy and let uh, Melvin Gordon uh, kind of be the workhorse and take on the majority of those carries. Uh, they could actually be a, a pretty solid duo um, 
in, in that offensive backfield for the Broncos. So uh, obviously the draft's still to come, things still kind of playing out, and you know Denver still has a little bit of money to spend. But um, overall, the Broncos I think have uh, started off uh, fantastic uh, for their free agency. Yeah, I would agree with that. Denver's easily in some of the, one of the top teams that I think have had a great offseason so far. With all the moves that you said so far, we've even addressed it. You know, before all of this, they you know traded for AJ Boye, got him in the building. Uh, just robbing uh, robbing teams of great defensive players is always great, uh, especially yeah. when it's my team. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I would have to agree with that. Denver's been very solid. Any other teams come to your mind? Um, I mean, right off top, no, nothing, you know, that, that really kind of jumps out as like, wow, um, that's amazing. Uh, I, I would like to point out um, that we talked about, obviously, the Tom Brady and uh, Tampa Bay scenario uh, at, at length quite a bit. Um, I enjoy that fit, truthfully. Um, I, I like that Tampa Bay made that that push um, to kind of make it happen. Um, it'll be intriguing to see how it all goes, um, but I think being able to sign Tom Brady, retain Shaquille Barrett, bring in a couple of other guys, um, as well as the receiving core that they already have, um, if Tampa Bay can, can figure out a run game, um, they could, as crazy as it sounds, uh, be a solid team. Um, Shaquille Barrett led the league in sacks last year, um, and uh, offensively they had three receivers go for over 1,000 yards, uh, all while Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions. Um, so if Jameis Winston can throw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns Balling. with those three receivers, right, balling. Um, Tampa, Brady, uh, as well as uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, could actually be a, a, a pretty good team. Um, however, I would would like to – actually, not even would like to. It would be a travesty if I did not point out uh, the huge swing and a miss uh, that the Buccaneers missed out on not bringing a creamsicle jersey back. Uh, with the new unveiling of uniforms, uh, you you definitely miss the mark on that. Uh, you and I talked about it a little bit. Obviously, I think the one helmet rule played a factor in that. If if the team owners can vote that out, um, because it sounds like they're talking about that, we may still see that come about. Uh, but the pewter looks good for the Buccaneers. The white, I I honestly am not a fan of. It looks like they stole the Falcons jerseys bef- that they threw out and traded the next day. Um, the red one, I don't mind. Uh, that's the one they won the Super Bowl in, so it's, it's all right. It looks looks good. Um, but, yeah, I had, had to point out the new unis for the Buccaneers. Uh, their offseason has been decent. I'm not going to call their free agency amazing, but their offseason has been decent. Yeah, I mean, it's been all right. Uh, it's pretty crazy to see dreams become reality when you see Tom Brady signing there after I pitched a hypothetical scenario about it, and then it actually happens pretty uh I was kind of actually shocked a little bit surprised, but I understood exactly why, since I mean, I, you know, I made the case for it. Uh, I, I'm tired of everybody saying that, you know, Tampa Bay's jerseys are new. They're not really that new. They're fucking, it's the, it's the late nineties, early 2000 Buccaneers. It's literally the exact same thing. They just added right, a, it's just a redesign to it. Calm down everybody. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, a redesign. redesign. Stop it. <laughs> um, other moves I wanted to ask. A redesign about, with the alternate. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's all it is. Chill out. Um, the DeForest Buckner trade. Your thoughts on that trade? Sure. Um, I mean, I I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Um, I think the Colts had some weaknesses on their defense. Um, so DeForest Buckner, I think, helps bolster on, on that side of the ball. Um, uh, you paid a lot though. Um, so it's questionable. Um, it has, uh, you know, kind of a, a higher ceiling than I think you're probably anticipating. Um, but on, on the surface, um, I'm, I mean, I'm not super sold on it, but I understand in terms of the business, why, 
why the Colts would make a move like that. I fucking I really hate that move. <laughs> I know we'll see do. how that one plays out. Um, so collectively, what what are your thoughts on the the Carolina Panthers right now with everything they're doing? C Mac with the extension, bringing in Robbie Anderson and Teddy B. Uh, just a whole revamp Carolina over there. Do you have what are your feelings on that whole team right now? Yeah, the Carolina Panthers feel oddly similar to uh, the Baylor Bears. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, honestly, I think so far, uh, David Tepper, um, <laughs> who bought the team, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> um, I think David Tepper, who bought the team yeah. a couple years ago, um, has really kind of followed through on most of his promises. Um, he's been really solid at, uh, if it's not my guy and I didn't hire him and I don't think he fits, I'm going to get rid of him. Um, I was a little skeptical on the rules, uh, kind of signing as a coach in Carolina. Um, but when I heard that, you know, rule was like, Hey, look, I want to do it from the ground up and this is how I want to do it. I want it kind of college style. Like I ran and David Tepper said, you know what? You're my guy. I hired you. I'm all on board. Let's do it. Um, so I like it. Um, I, I think they obviously have a ways to go. Uh, there's definitely holes and, and things that need fixed. So, you know, I don't think that – I don't think the Carolina Panthers are, are a Super Bowl contending team. We talked about them potentially making a playoff run last year with the expansion. They'll probably be in play for a seven seed. Um, but you never know. I still think there's, there's a ways to go for the Carolina Panthers – but as it stands at this point, uh, I think they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, if I'm a cornerback or just a secondary piece in that division, I'm not really happy right now. Yeah, I mean, you got a running back that's caught for fucking over 1,000 yards last year, and then they're like, oh, and we brought in this cat from New York that was way underutilized with his shit-ass mono quarterback, and uh, now we're going to throw him the ball. All the fucking time, so. <laughs> it's just crazy, man. They got speed all around on those receivers now. It's it's just, it's insane. That's the, the sad part is about it is they bring in a quarterback who doesn't really have the arm talent to take advantage of that speed. But, I mean, Teddy's still going to do a good job. I'm going to be very interested in watching them this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're Colorado kids. So, uh, seeing Christian McCaffrey on a personal note, uh, obviously get the largest running back contract in history. Super cool. Uh, you know, Colorado kid, I, I umpired the kid in baseball when he was freaking 12 years old. Uh, you know, we've just, we, he's been around in our community for a very long time. So watching that happen, uh, was cool, uh, on a personal note. On a football business note, don't ever pay running backs. Um, I understand people say, oh, he's different and, you know, he's so multi-purposed. And I had a guy tell me, you know, he had 1,400 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. And, you know, he did all of this and he did that. And, you know, it's never been done before. And I'm like, look, we've been talking about Christian McCaffrey every year pacing to break the all-purpose record for yards and that record was set long before he ever made it into the league this is nothing new to have a dual threat running back that can catch passes out of the backfield and and break yards after the catch and can run north and south but also get east and west and he's yes he is probably the most versatile running back in the nfl this season but it's not anything new we we see this all the time and it's the new shiny toy, and so everyone's like, ooh, ah, it's great. And I love it. It's super cool to see. It's exciting to watch, right? I'm not even a Carolina Panthers fan, but I like to tune into Panthers games because every time Christian McCaffrey gets the ball, there's a chance for something to happen, and, and that's cool. I like that. But let's not act like this is something that we've never seen before, right? This, this has been happening for years and years and years and years where running backs – have the ability to catch out of the backfield. It's almost a requirement. Like if this was a job application you were filling out 
and it says like required bachelor's degree and ability to catch passes out of the backfield. Like it's, you have to be able to do it if you even want to play running back in the NFL. So like, I just don't get excited that you've never seen it before because you see it every year. It's just somebody new. Alvin Kamara did it before. Zeke did it before. Don't forget, we talked about Le'Veon Bell being this before C-Mac, and then they paid him $14 million a year to play for the Jets, and who the fuck was Le'Veon Bell last year, right? Like, it, this is this yeah, is the exactly. norm. So so people, people don't listen when we say don't pay running backs, but historically, don't pay running backs. It just doesn't work out for your franchise. It's a bad investment as a business owner. And so, hey, it's your franchise. You do whatever you want. History books note, though, that that's a bad idea. And so as cool as it was to see a Colorado kid get paid <clears throat> on the business side of things, I, I mean, what I, I'm not griping about it, but it's not a great move. $16 million a year for a running back is not a great move. He's, what, five years into the league yeah. now? Exactly. Alloc- allocating that much of your cap room to somebody that's getting 200 plus touches every season is not, it's not a great investment. It's really not usually about halfway right. into that investment. It's not going to look pretty at all. I don't care what he does. Yes. He's a great player. It's great to see him get that contract, but just as, as from a front office standpoint, it is one of the worst things that you can do. I don't care what he adds in the receiving game. This is the way that running backs are going. This is the way that they should be going. There are plenty of receiving running backs out there. There's plenty of receiving running backs coming in this draft that you could probably get equal to, or you can get two of them and get the same production out of them. For them to do this is just, right. it's just not great at all. It's just not. I love C-Mac. He's a great player. He's very exciting to watch. But just from a business standpoint, it's just not a good investment to give that much money to somebody every year when they're when they are getting two to 230 touches a year. It's just, it's not. It's not great. You're going to have a bad time. Exactly. Just going to have a bad time. My God. Well, looking forward, we're almost about draft time. uh, One of our favorite times of the year. And uh, what I wanted to do with you right now is I just wanted to – let's go through some of our – ideal fits for a couple of players i got three you got three lined up um so why don't you go ahead and hit me with a player and a team that you would like to see that player on um so running down the line um you know i just tried to look for teams that that really kind of you know if it, when you look at at draft lineups um a lot of times you can see um what is that team's needs, right? And they'll list out like quarterback, O-lineman, what have you. And so a lot of times kind of the criteria I base on is a team's primary need and and obviously where they're drafting um, in the draft. And so one of the first ones that popped up for me was the Arizona Cardinals at the number eight spot. And, and obviously this could all change if, if they make trades and move around. But, you know, I, I play it as is. So at the eight spot right now um, – what what the Cardinals really need to do right now, obviously by by making their acquisition of uh, of Nuke uh, Nuke out there, uh, Nuke Hopkins, they are out of the receiver market, right? People thought they might be looking for a receiver, a CD Lamb type, um, reunite reunite him with Kyler Murray, but obviously they're out of that market. Um, so the next thing you need to do is you need to keep Kyler vertical. Um, the Cardinals last year gave up a little over three sacks a game. Um, they gave up a total of 50 sacks in 16 games last year, uh, which is quite a bit, actually. Um, it, it's just pretty – I mean, the Steelers uh, had the best average in the NFL with 3.4 sacks a game, um, and the Cardinals as a team gave up 3.2 sacks a game almost. So, I mean, pretty pretty bad. They, that puts them at the towards the bottom of the league in terms of sack allowance. It's just pretty tough. Um, so when you got a young guy running for his life, it's tough for him to kind of settle in, get rhythm, um, and, and really kind of make the throws that you need him to. So keeping him vertical is very important. And so um, obviously what you need is is an athletic guy um, who has the ability to kind of break loose. And so who, who I'm looking at, a, a prime fit for the Cardinals, um, is Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle. Uh, he's obviously crazy athletic. He's freakishly productive. Um, and that's honestly the best combination you could have making the transition to the NFL. Um, but what I think honestly makes Worf such a perfect fit 
for the Cardinals um, is is his athleticism, right? His his size and speed. He has the ability to get loose um, and kind of get out in front of some guys. And so the Cardinals last year ran the most wide screens in the NFL. They ran 74 of them. Uh, the next closest team actually ran over 20 less than that. Um, so less, uh, I think they had less than 50 total wide screens. And so when you have an offensive lineman who can get to the outside and be a lead block on those screen-type passes, uh, it's, it's huge. It's a huge value to have, um, especially when you've got a young centerpiece under center. Um, and so I think that that's an ideal fit uh, for the Arizona Cardinals and Tristan Wirfs. Um, I think those two um, are a fantastic match at the number eight spot in the NFL draft. Yeah, I like it. I, they, I mean, with them getting Hopkins, they have to they have to get something for Kyler for his protection. I mean, you got to invest in your quarterback. So I like that fit a lot, actually. I really do. Uh, for my first one, I I went Andrew Thomas, left tackle to the Denver Broncos. Now, I highly doubt he'll be there at 15, but if he is, I don't want wide receiver. I don't want linebacker. I want this player to Denver, and I want I want that card or I want that video whatever the fuck they're doing over there on Zoom, I want that turned in immediately for Denver to get Andrew Thomas ASAP. I'm tired of Garrett Bowles. I'm done with this project. I mean, if we need to, let's kick him into guard. Let's have Andrew Thomas there anchoring that line and protecting Drew Locke's blind spot. I mean, he's he just he knows what he's doing, which is always great. He's you know he has the experience of left tackle. It's not one of these guys that we have to see and try out or anything like that. No, he knows what he's doing. He's been consistent, and he he's it's like getting an adult in a room. You know what I mean? Like just stability. Let's get some stability over there. Andrew Thomas, fifteen. Now I highly doubt this guy gets past ten, but if he is there, I don't want to see them fuck around. This is the person that I want. This is the perfect fit. And I just want this to happen so bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind the Thomas pick. I know that that a, you know a lot of people are banging the drum for uh, a lineman at fifteen for the Broncos. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, honestly, uh, my thought, you know, I, I have a, a little bit different ideal scenario for the Broncos in terms of. Uh, an ideal fit and, and some things they would have to do to, to make it happen. But, um, you know, most of the things coming out of Dove Valley right now are that the Broncos uh, receiver draft board uh, really isn't what you would expect uh, for a team uh, that would be taking a wide receiver in the first round, right? So um, we're talking the C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs the third, Jerry Judy if he falls type stuff. Um, but what it sounds like is is that they don't have those kind of guys on their board, which which leads you to believe um, that the Broncos are not looking at the receiver position at fifteen, which I think is actually a smart decision for them. Um, and so that begs the question: What are they going to do? And and so you bring in the one side of well, we need to address the offensive line, and um, I agree. I do think the offensive line needs addressed. Obviously, they're in need of a center. They're in need of a right guard. They've got some holes on that offensive line. I mean, 72 on the left side is is dreadful to watch. He, yes, he got better towards the end of last season, but do you want another 16 games of Garrett Bowles at left tackle, especially on Drew Locke's first year of, of being you know the, the guy? Um, so, yeah, I do think their offensive line needs addressed. Uh, but the second side of that is uh, the Broncos – need an interior linebacker they need somebody who can kind of play off ball who can drop back who can cover um, and and who can really kind of fill a gap in the middle of the field for them Um, and and so that that's part of my ideal scenario uh, is is the Broncos uh, you know kind of biting the bullet and making a trade Um, I'm going to say at least into the top 10 Um, you know you look at the Pittsburgh trade last year to get up to 10 uh, for Devin Bush. Probably something similar for the Broncos, right? You're looking at pick 15, probably probably your second round pick even, pick 43, um, and then maybe a third round pick next year 
um, something like that. I think that's a, about what the Steelers gave up for the Devin Bush trade. But uh, if the Broncos can make that trade into the top 10 um, and then they take the Clemson safety, quote unquote, who's going to play linebacker in the NFL, uh, Isaiah Simmons, I know that a lot of people are, are looking at him as an outside linebacker. Um, but with the Broncos uh, edge, as well as their defensive line with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and then Snacks and now Jarrell Casey. And, you know, they don't, they don't really need a, a line guy. They need an interior linebacker. Um, and Isaiah Simmons, who can play outside backer, is actually really good in pass coverage, right? And the, that's what the Broncos have lacked for years is the ability to cover a tight end um, or to drop back in coverage with that interior linebacker. And so, you know, a guy like Simmons – who last year had about 107 uh, career targets at Clemson. Um, he forced 22 incompletions. He had four total interceptions. Um, so for an interior linebacker, I mean, those are top-tier numbers in the NFL. If, if this guy can can knock down seven, eight passes a year and, and another pick every year, uh, if maybe even two, I mean, that's, that's great production out of your interior line. Add in the other guys on Denver's defense, and I mean, you could be talking a generational type defense um, for the Broncos, which coincidentally already have two generational defenses to their name. So it wouldn't be something shocking to see them make a move like that. Uh, I mean, it would obviously there's a need for tight end coverage and run support, uh, but the talent with Simmons is without doubt there. Yeah, I mean, I've even had the Bronco fans themselves tell me they would trade their this entire draft for Isaiah Simmons if they could, which of course is not smart and out of proportion. But that's just how much you know. Right. That's how much love Simmons is getting. Which I mean, I've already said like this is he's hands down my favorite prospect in this draft. I, I mean, I, I'm sure some people might think I'm crazy, but I, I've got Isaiah Simmons as the number two ranked draft prospect this year overall only behind Chase Young. So Chase Young. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean Isaiah Simmons is definitely a, a generational type guy. He's he's definitely coming out pro ready and he's gonna make an impact wherever he's at. So if if Denver could find a way to scoop him up and, and move him to the middle backer position, um, it could be it could be pretty scary to play the Denver Broncos next year. Wow. So no Henry Ruggs to Denver then? No. Um, I'm thinking Denver is probably going to be a second or third round pick um, on, on receivers, which truthfully um, is smart, um, both historically and if you go on a case-by-case dependency. Um, history states that first-round draft picks uh, very rarely pan out for wide receivers, honestly for almost any draft pick a very small number of them actually hit every year. Um, But when you start getting into the second, third, fourth rounds, um, a large proportion of those guys are actually successful um, with both longevity and career production. So um, I think Denver may actually be kind of wisening up saying, Hey, you know, this is the deepest draft class. Every scout that we've ever talked to, Uh, has seen in 20, 30 years, some are saying ever, right? So why reach for a guy because he's fast and shiny when we could get a guy, um, you know, like we may luck out and see Justin Jefferson in the early second round. We may see a guy like Jalen Rieger in the early second round. We may see a guy like T. Higgins in the second round. We may see guys that could be day one starters in the third round, right? So, So let's not reach. For that receiver, we already have our superstar in Cortland Sutton. We're just looking for a compliment who can stretch the field and you can find speed anywhere. So don't don't overdo it, right? And so maybe maybe we're starting to see that the Broncos are leaning towards, hey, let's let's kind of take a different approach to this. Let's bolster somewhere that's a real glaring hole because we can get a day one starter uh, easily in the first three rounds at wide receiver. Yeah. Well, if that means no rugs for Denver, I got the perfect place for rugs. The perfect place for rugs for me is at 21 to the Eagles. Well, we all seen what that offense was able to do when they had Deshaun Jackson on the field. The problem is, is Deshaun Jackson can never 
fucking stay on the field. So why not replace him with Henry Ruggs? Let's get Ruggs in there for if Deshaun Jackson does go down. You don't your offense just continues. It doesn't miss a beat. You have your deep threat. You have your deep threat to pair with Carson Wentz for the future. And you don't have to really worry about anything. This team is funny. It's just funny because it's in the same situation as Denver where they need linebackers, but they also need another wide receiver. But they could use at least two to three more wide receivers, to be honest with you. So I highly doubt Ruggs gets to 21. But if he's sitting there at 21, this is a player that I would love to see the Eagles take. I mean, we all got to see in that Washington game how potent their offense was and the moment that Deshaun Jackson went out and there was no deep threat just all went away the year before when they tried to bring in Mike Wallace and have him as their deep threat and when he got hurt their offense wasn't as great they are desperately in search of a deep threat and I don't think there's any better deep threat in this draft than Henry Ruggs and what he brings yeah I can see that I mean I I think the Eagles are going to be wide receiver heavy this draft class because they have just I mean, an atrocious wide receiver core. That they, they, I mean, they—that was their biggest hindrance last year. Their wide receivers were terrible. They couldn't stay healthy, and when when they were on the field, they couldn't catch the ball. Like it was, it was tough to watch the Eagles' offense, especially for a team that I mean, literally just just won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. So um, it was really, yeah. The, the Eagles need some help, and, and I think they're going to be pretty heavy. Uh, on receivers this year. Yeah, I mean, when Wentz is out there throwing for 4,000 yards and not a single receiver is over like 500 yards, you obviously are in desperate search. I mean, when you're throwing to guys like Boston Scott and you're making your and your running backs, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, some of your key wide receivers, there's a problem. And throwing to guys who right. are quarterbacks in college and Greg Ward, yeah, you, you probably need some pass catching over there. A lot. A lot of pass catching over there. So, Henry Ruggs to the Eagles. I could see that. I would really love that one. Who else do you got for me? Um, so, another one I have is actually going to be a, an if possible, should be possible, uh, outside the first round pick. Um, so, it's going to be a second round pickup. Um, and it's going to be for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I know we talked a little bit about some of the, the good things they do have going and you know, they got Phillip Rivers in the offseason. So one of the things with the Colts is um, Marlon Mack, who, who's been, uh, you know, a sustainable, effective runner for the Colts, um, is in the last year of his deal. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent next year, uh, and he's going to want to get paid. Um, he took his four years for $8 bucks or, or whatever he made, a little over, um, and now he wants to get paid, and, and that's, that's just the way it goes. Um, but if the Colts were smart, um, they will obviously pass on this deal uh, with Marlon Mack, even if he's looking for six to eight million a year, right in the Melvin Gordon market type. Um, they can get a rookie guy in the second round uh, that will easily put up that the same production that Marlon Mack did. And so, um, who I have set in that spot at forty-four for the Colts um, is a guy who honestly. Uh, was built to run behind dominant run-blocking offensive lines. Um, If you get this guy running downhill, um, he truthfully, for lack of better words, uh, just fucking hit sticks people. If you get this man running downhill, um, he can just truck people um, and make himself uh, in the open field. Um, He averaged over 1,300 yards after contact each season that he played at Wisconsin. Um, And so that's Jonathan Taylor, the running back. Uh, out of Wisconsin. Um, the man is an absolute animal of a runner. Um, he can get the shoulder pads low and he can honestly run you the fuck over. So, um, if the Colts can get a receiver, you know, a decent receiver, maybe a Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rieger, T Higgins kind of guy late in the first, uh, and then in the second round, pick up Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they are, uh, worlds ahead of the rest of the, uh, NFC South over there. Uh, because the Texans are going the wrong fucking direction. No, I hate this. No, I'm sure I you hate do. Everything about this. No, I'm because sure why? You do. Because on my fucking list, they're right here. It has Jonathan Taylor, and the team next to his name is the fucking Tennessee Titans. No, I hate I'm this sure. so much. 
No, I do not want this man in Indianapolis. No, I need him on my team so we can pass on fucking paying Derrick Henry. No. 1,300 yards after contact per season average at Wisconsin. You put Jonathan Taylor behind a dominant offensive line like the Indianapolis Colts, and you easily project yourself into the top 10 running offenses in the league, and that's before Jonathan Taylor takes a snap in the NFL. See, and that's the exact thing. This is exactly why I need this man on my team. We do not if we if Tennessee exactly if Tennessee drafts Jonathan Taylor, we do not have to fucking pay. Yes, I said we. We do not have to fucking pay Derrick Henry, and we don't miss a beat. We could literally do the same. They could literally do the same thing that they're doing now, and just do it with Jonathan Taylor. Just plug and play. Boom, and then just yep. for this upcoming season, if you get both of them, when you ha- when you need to give Derrick Henry an arrest, boom, here comes in Jonathan Taylor, and he's doing the same fucking thing to the defense. It would just be amazing. Yeah, here's Derrick Henry. Your, your, your whole You're team choice. Fuck no. you. Exactly. Yeah. But yep, since so you Jonathan stole mine, Taylor, I like that one. <laughs> um, I'll give you another one. Then I'll give you one. I'll. I'll switch it up. Mine with my other one, which happens to be a running back, would be Clyde Edwards Hilaire to Tampa Bay. Yep. Tom Brady needs a pass catching okay. running back. He needs somebody to check down to. There you go, right there. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who I think is honestly probably either I I would have him rated as the second best running back in this draft. Um, just behind Jonathan Taylor. I'm having I that think eye. he would be the perfect fit to Tampa Bay. I do. Um, he's very, uh, it's kind of a uh, Maurice Jones drew kind of Devonta Freeman esque, uh, you know, a little bit undersized, but can catch the ball great in the passing game. I feel like that'd be the perfect fit because they need to get Tom Brady, somebody down there. Those running backs that they have are right. just garbage. So <laughs> they need somebody yeah. that can catch out of the backfield. And that's, I think it's the perfect landing spot for Clyde. Hilaire. Well, I mean, you know, you know, I like Clyde. I talked about him uh, weeks ago with uh, with the Broncos' potential offseason before the Melvin Gordon signing, um, and and uh, and I said they may even be able to get him in the third round, and and that's still true. I mean, personally, I I have Clyde Edwards-Helaire rated as as the number four um, running back uh, in this year's draft, uh, so a little bit lower than you, but obviously he's still a top five talent. Uh, but there's just not a lot of teams that that need running backs right now. Um, and so I think that that's going to allow some of these day one starting type running backs, you know, your Cam Akers, your Clyde Edwards, Alaire's, uh, even JK Dobbins in some cases uh, falling out of the first round. And so I think there's going to be a lot of running back talent that these teams can get after, after the first day. So um, I like Clyde Edwards, Alaire. I, I probably wouldn't put him as the number two, uh, running back in, in this year's draft, but easily a top five uh, back in this year's draft. So I, I don't hate that at all. Uh, get him in Tampa Bay where where he can lean on, uh, as much as it pains me to say it, where he can lean on the knowledge of the GOAT um, because Tom Brady, whether it was Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, New England, or what, uh, always has the ability to uh, lift guys up and, and make them uh, better than, than what they are every day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing that at all because I mean, Tampa Bay's in, in desperate need of a running game. Um, they haven't had a, a rushing attack since Mike Allstat was wearing neck rolls. So, Hey, I mean, Hey, you better calm down. You, you don't discount my boy Cadillac Williams <laughs> like that. All right. Hey, I love Cadillac Williams. I'm a UT fan, but <sighs> come on now. You and I both know. The Buccaneers have not had a solid run game for a very long time. Oh, man. Don't, don't be dissing on Cadillac like that. Don't be dissing <laughs> on Cadillac like that. <laughs> Cadillac. Oh, my God. That takes you back right there, Cadillac. All right. Well, so I had some uh, I had some, uh, some under-the-radar players that I wanted to talk to you about, too. All right. So, you know, I've been doing a lot of research. This I I with all this quarantining and all this kind of stuff, there's nothing better to do than reading scout reports and looking at film. <laughs> gives me gives me no something argument. to do. Um, yeah. So I wanted to name off three prospects to you that are very interesting that are probably not going to go in the first round, obviously, or some of them definitely are going in the first round, but they're gonna be probably day two picks that I think everybody should look into 
and do some research on and just be aware of them for where they get drafted at. Uh, first one is going to be Julian uh, Aguara of Edge from Notre Dame, 6'4", 252 pounds. Uh, he's, you know, so he has a very slender frame for being an edge player, but the thing is, is this, this man has speed. He has all the size, the measurables that you, you know, this, the height and the measurables that you want. Uh, speed is usually is, is really his game. But the interesting thing though that I've came across with him is that his go-to move is the bull rush, which always translate into, translates into the NFL. Uh, so guys that we've seen in the past, like Vic Beasley or, you know, a Dante Fowler, where, you know, they morally, they rely on that first step to get to the quarterback and they don't really have a lot of moves in their repertoire. The one thing that uh, Aquara has is the bull rush, which is unlike those two he does have. And that always translates to the NFL. So I, I'm very interested to see where he goes. Uh, the biggest thing, though, is that with with his measurables and how much hype that he would have, like when you look at him and you see him, uh, you would think that this man would just be causing havoc all the time. And his production doesn't really match up to his measurables, which is kind of that's alarming. Um, so, I mean, he's, he, uh, he also lacks versatility as well. So he needs to line up on the outside every time. It's not like you can move him inside or move him all out of the place. He's going to be lining outside of the tackle pretty much most of the time. And he's, he needs to refine his skills a little bit more, but I mean, when you have the bull rush and you have that first step, you could at least, you know, you could have some sort of career and some kind of production in this league. And uh, so that's one guy that I'm looking out for. And I think everybody should look into Okay. Yeah. Always good. I mean, I mean, at worst, you're dealing with a rotational pass rusher. But I mean, you know, with with pass rush guys, you know, you make your you can make your money on three to four plays a game. So an yeah. interesting guy that I, I really look out for. Another one is Antonio Gibson. He's listed as a running back from Memphis, uh, about six three, two hundred and twenty eight pounds. Uh, so he okay. So here's the craziest thing about him: he's listed at running back, but pretty much a majority of his snaps were out of the slot last year. So okay, he he has 1,200 yards total total yards on 77 career touches. <laughs> also has 17 wow, broken okay. tackles. Yeah, 17 broken tackles on 38 catches last season. He ran a four three nine forty. Wow. Yeah. Flew under the radar. He's listed at running back, but, I mean, when you see that he takes most of his snaps in the slot, you obviously just have a gadget player. So I would like to see this guy personally go somewhere to, like, a coach like Kyle Shanahan, somebody who knows how to use these kind of pieces. Um, It's very alarming, though, because, you know, I mean, of course, you know, you think you could maybe line him up with a running back. You can line him up all over the place. But not the best route runner, and he doesn't really have a ton of experience of carrying the rock all the time. So he's basically he's just he's an athlete, uh, which kind of scares me because he's kind of like that master of none kind of person. You can see people, okay. you know, he doesn't have the exact same skill set, but it's very reminiscent of a uh, Cordell Pat- Patterson, you know, where uh-huh. it's like there's something I can do with you, but I don't know how to do it and get it out of you, which is the scary part. Right. So very interesting to see. I. You know, I really want to see this guy go to an offensive mind that knows how to use these pieces. Like I said, Kyle Shanahan, you know, you see what he's done with Debo. You know, Jalen Hurd is a player that they've drafted. Um, Why not give him another one of these guys that he can move around the chessboard and, you know, have fun with? Sean Payton likes gadget players, too. Players, too, exactly. He has to be with a great offensive mind. Otherwise, we're just going to see another Cordero Patterson situation where it's there's talent there, but we don't know how to use it. And yeah. then my last player is going to be Troy Pride Jr. for a cornerback from Notre Dame, 5'11", 193 pounds. Basically has all the physical tools for a top quarterback. Great man-to-man skills. I watched tape on this guy at the senior bowl practices, and he was literally running the routes for the, the wide receivers themselves. <laughs> it was insanity. This man was stuck to them like glue. Now, some of the downsides about Troy Pride Jr. is that he has – he has trouble locating the ball at times, which is odd. <laughs> yeah, like so he can literally stick to wide receivers. He can be right there on him, and somehow the wide receiver still comes down with the catch, which is really weird. Uh, but that's I mean, if that's going to be the man, 
receiver, exactly. But if that's going to be his only fault, then yeah, I'll take a chance on a guy like that. You're telling me that I don't have to teach him on how to stick to his man? Yeah, I'm in on that all day. It, it was just amazing watching him during those senior bowl practices. It's, it's like literally running the route for the wide receiver. It's, it's, it's just insane. Great man-to-man skills. Um, f- you know, has all the size, the measurables, the speed. He has all the athletic traits for a great corner. And he already has the, you know, the man-to-man ability. So all, if all I have to teach him is just how to go get a ball, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable taking that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you, any of you, anybody gets free time, go look up those three players. You'll enjoy it, and you'll thank me later. <laughs> Thank me later. So before we close it out, though, I just want to hear Jake Doherty, the fan. I want to hear players that you have on the top of your mind that you would love to see in your team pick. And please tell me why one of them is Jacob Eason. So um, none of them are Jacob Eason um, (laughs) at all, oddly enough. Um... You know, right now, I think the ideal candidate um, for the Steelers um, needs to be someone who can really uh, stretch the field. Um, I am as big a uh, Juju Smith-Schuster fan as anyone, um, but his best results that we yielded from him as a player uh, came out of the slot when we had Antonio Brown um, on the outside. And I really think that that's where Juju thrives, is is out of the slot, um, which is hard to do. If you can make a career out of being a slot receiver, um, you'll go down in the books as, as one of the greats because playing slot receiver is tough. Um, you got to, you know, you're over the middle all the time. You're taking monster hits. Uh, but you have to also be able to stretch the field and, and score touchdowns. And, and I think Juju just does – he. He's a natural at the slot. Um, so if we could get a tall guy that uh, that could fall to us, because don't forget, Pittsburgh doesn't have a first-round draft pick this year. Um, so our earliest pick is in the second round. Um, but if we could get a guy like LaVisca Chenault, and then um, we could slide Juju back to the slot, leave you know Deontay uh, out there on the other side, LaVisca, uh, you know, stretching the field at with his you know six four plus frame, um, that would be great. I would I would love to see that. Uh, we are obviously in the market uh, to start grooming uh, a new quarterback. Uh, I think our quarterback merry go round last year really um, showed that we don't have anyone on the roster um, to fill that spot. And and I was you know obviously one of the first ones on the Mason Rudolph train. I was on the Mason Rudolph train uh, from, from the day he declared from Oregon State. Um, and he just honestly really let me down. And uh, I think his, his confidence was affected. And um, Duck Hodges was just too up and down and streaky. And um, so obviously I think we need to groom someone. Uh, Big Ben, who didn't play last year, uh, was coming off of a 5,000-yard season, right? Uh, so at 34, I still think he's fine. Tom Brady is 43 years old, still playing high-caliber football. Um, so I think that works. Um, I think we have a, a pretty glaring hole on the offensive line now um, with the retirement of, uh, of David DeCastro. Um, and so obviously that, that needs to be filled and fixed. Um to keep our quarterbacks upright, but um, our defensive side of the ball, I'm, I'm pretty happy with. I think we're pretty strong on that side. Uh, we signed, you know, a couple of free agent guys um, as backups to to the starters. Uh, we brought in, um, you know, a, a couple of offensive guys. So I, I, I like where Pittsburgh's at, um, but I'd like to see, um, you know, maybe a, a third round guard. Um, if if there's one you there, to you know, uh, Foster. Was it Ramon that retired? Yeah, it was Ramon. Why do I think it was David DeCastro? Because you just have David DeCastro in the mind. Apparently. Yeah. So obviously, I think the Steelers have some 
uh, you know, some deficiencies on the offensive line. Ramon Foster retired, um, so we got to we got to fill that spot. Uh, but a receiver, I think, could could really do some wonders for us. Um, and then obviously, uh, we're probably in the late rounds uh, going to go with um, with a khaki pants quarterback <laughs> um, to kind of ride the pine and uh, and sit behind Big Ben. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I don't. Nah, see, I just he'll go in like the third Jake round, um, and I think I think Pittsburgh's probably a fourth rounder later on a quarterback this year, just because we have you know <laughs> stuff we need in other places. Weird. I would have never thought that Billy Moon hoped yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I kind of hope your team bombs the draft, but I mean, it's whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you sure bro. you don't want Jacob Eason, man? I'm telling you, just the strong arm, the size. A big arm quarterback. Why do Why do I feel like he's the perfect person? The for perfect John quarterback Elway. for John Elway in this draft is Justin Herbert. <laughs> That's a John Elway quarterback. Yeah. I don't think John will do it. You know, I ain't good, he's but... there at 15, you know. <laughs> nah, I think it's good. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, just Anything's look out. possible, look out, my man. guy. Right? I'm not going to put it past him until I actually have to put it past him. Right. Well... With the draft coming up soon, this is uh this has been a fun time. Of course, we'll get back to you all after the draft. Um, man, I'm really excited, especially yeah, with no absolutely. Sports this draft we, is uh, going to be like we next week should probably start draft. talking a little bit of mock draft and uh, start letting the people know what man, what we think is going to obviously play out with with how it stands and and what we think will kind of kind of partake. We can at least go one through five and kind of talk people through where we're at and what, why we kind of see it shaking out that way. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for all of that. And, and I'm Jake Doherty. Uh, we'll see you next Peace time. Next episode of Franchise Mode. I'm Billy Moon. You guys take care. Peace.